I'm Simon Schofield, and this is The Zwiftcast. We've got a special episode of The Zwiftcast. I'm calling it Zwiftcast Feminine, and it's dedicated entirely to women's Zwifting and women's cycling. We're keeping it in the family, and I'm joined by Lindsay Guerra. Yo, Lindsay. Well, hi. And I'm joined by Veronica Mitchich. G'day, Vaughn. G'day. I don't really say g'day. Shane says it a lot. I really don't. <laughs> well, as you've mentioned, the great man, um, for those who, who don't know, we should perhaps just make the relationship clear, and you are the, the partner in crime and in life of Shane Miller. And uh, Lindsay, as I think most people will know, given your exploits on, on ZCL, you are you have a similar relationship with our great friend Nathan. Um, so that's just cleared that one up. Um, well, welcome you two. I, I, I want to start, really, in the most general way possible. And, and I think this is going to be of great interest to male Zwifters. And let's face it, and this is something that we are going to talk about in, in some depth, you know, they are the over, overwhelming majority of Zwifters. But but this some of this might be new to, to male Zwift ears. So I, I'd like to hear it kind of straight from the hip, really. And, and what I want to start with is, is really just the basic experience of being a female Zwifter, both good and bad. Von, I'll start with you. I won't beat about the bush. Do you get hassle? You know, women get hassle on the internet. Zwift is the internet. Do you get hassle? Personally, no. Not in any of the Zwift writing that I've been doing. I've had no comments directed at me. No, I guess. Actually, that's one thing I've noticed. There's not even any other trash talk that I've noticed on Zwift. I've seen other people post on Facebook groups that they might be getting uh, annoyed or hassled by other writers. I don't get any of that. So um, if it is out there, I would say it's in a very small minority. That's, well, that's, that's very good to hear. Lindsay, what's your general experience of, of, of being on Swift? It's fantastic. I think it's, um, you know, there are some nuances to being a female in the world of cycling. Um, so I, I guess I could give you an example. You know, I race mountain bikes, right? And it's so cliche that you, you come up on a group of guys, they try to speed up or get into the single track ahead of you. They don't want to get passed by the chick, right? So it's interesting when that happens on <laughs> Swift, you can see, you know, you can see um, the people ahead of you, the people behind you, you can see, you can chat with them, you can see how they react to you. Um, so there's a whole lot of that going on for me in the world of Swift, and I tend to enjoy it and just make, um, have fun with it. It's been fun for me. This thing about being chicked, Von, you know, I mean, I, I have spoken to a couple of my female friends who, who who are Zwifters, and that that is a common complaint that if 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 a woman passes a man, it is pretty palpably obvious that the man is going to speed up and not let that happen. I mean, do do you see that in everyday life? Absolutely. When I'm out there on the road and cycling in, you know, sportifs and fondos and things like that, that you see that reaction immediately in Zwift. I see it less so. Um, and in the races that I do on Zwift, the guys have to try and keep up. I am actually very interested and very heartened by by what you've both said, because it seems as though, certainly from those initial comments, that Zwift might be a slightly more egalitarian place than the real world for women to be cyclists. Would that be... Accurate. I, I definitely see it more as a level playing field, especially as maybe it even comes down to the fact that um, you can't judge a book by its cover in Zwift. Everyone pretty much looks the same. So there's very little customization apart from kit that we've got. Um, you've just got this entity going past you, either fast or slower. Maybe it then comes down to, yeah, uh, ego, where people might have a bit of an issue. What do you reckon, Lindsay, from that perspective? Lindsay, do you think it's a more egalitarian world than than, than cycling outside? Um, I do. Yeah, I do. Because, you know, lots because of some of the things Vaughn said, for sure, I do a lot of Zwift racing. It's like you can see on the board that watts per kilogram just go up as soon as that starts to happen, you know. And I just think (laughs) to myself, all right, honey, you show me how fast you can go for these five minutes and I'm going to sit on your draft and enjoy it. And we'll just part ways whenever the time comes and I'll say thank you. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) 
But, you know, I have I have gotten questions or comments at times about um, my power, about my weight. And mm-hmm. I'm totally happy to answer those. You know, I'm absolutely happy to, you know, our best, uh, I'll be doing intervals, right? I'll have a morning interval workout. I'll go past a group of guys and then, you know, I'll see somebody type in the message. Oh, Z power, maybe. And, I, you know, I have no trouble. Um answering that in a way that is without offense. So it just goes with the territory, I think. Well, th- I mean, that's a very positive opening. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I, I don't think I'm surprised, but I'm, I'm kind of heartened to hear that, that it's, it's, it's not in any sense a hostile place for women in Swift. But um, that said, you know, you are in a minority. I mean, we don't know the exact figures, but they're the, the kind of working assumption and it, Swift have more or less kind of confirmed this is it's it's about ninety percent men and about ten percent women and and it is a priority for Swift to increase female participation. Um, so when I was in uh, Long Beach at Swift headquarters, I had the chance to speak to Kate Verno, who to give her her full title is Women's Strategy Manager at Swift. Um, and I started. We're going to have a number of, of excerpts from Kate's interview because she make, makes some great points. But I started by asking her what she thinks could be done or what more could be done to, to meet that basic ambition, which is to increase female participation. I think that it is um, really exposing more women to the platform and and having them recognize the benefits that Zwift can offer outside of like an exercise class or something like that. I'm, I'm really big on getting women to uh, join up in group rides in, in Zwift because I, I find that uh, we motivate each other so well. We encourage each other. If you know your your uh, friends are going to be on that 8 a.m. ride, it's just that extra little push you need. We're very social creatures, and I think that uh, that keeps the motivation very high um, to be able to interact with one another while we're working out. I think that's why spin classes work for both men and women, is that it's, uh, it's encouraging. So I think in Zwift, you know, that and the flexibility of it is um, it's just such an ideal workout uh, environment. It's um, I just I just want more, more women to be exposed to it, to kind of to try it out, uh, to jump on a group ride and just, you know, see how much fun it can be. Is there an argument then for more women only group rides? Do you think that would help? Or do you think that women find that patronising? Do you think men find it difficult? I mean, what are the kind of politics and arguments mm. around this area? Or is this the kind of area where you just kind of let the Zwift community sort itself out? Should should you be providing leadership around, around this? Yeah, we are actually providing leadership around this. Um, with the Zwift Women's Week that we did in the first week of March... Um, we launched our women's only ride feature. And um, that is something that I think is really valuable. Not every woman wants to be on a woman only ride, but for women that do find, um, you know, some of the men's rides a little intimidating or a little, a little too fast, a little too, a little too macho, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, there's a lot of reasons um, that we naturally can relate to each other a little bit better than men. Um, And, creating a women's only ride just kind of creates a little bit more of a comfortable environment um, for women that are just getting into it. It allows them, um, you know, completely unintimidating and supportive, uh, you know, uh, atmosphere to, to get going on and to learn. Um, for women that are more experienced, it gives them a more controlled environment where they can, like, uh, help pull the others up and help, uh, you know, teach them um, what it takes to, you know, to stay in a group ride, how to, you know, l- just little pointers throughout the ride to make the whole experience a lot more enjoyable. I think women just naturally take the time to do that. Honestly, we do have a bit more of a caretaking gene uh, than you guys. And I think that that's one of the best ways that we can grow women's participation in Zwift because I think it just, it allows for a controlled space where we can, um, where you can communicate and encourage each other um, and that, it, it, like I said, it's just unintimidating and you don't have to worry about, you know, the pace getting out of hand. We know we're going to over communicate. It's great. <laughs> you know, right on. OK, you two. Well, I mean, I think it's fairly clear that um, Kate has a high profile in the company and she gets lots of power to do lots of initiatives to 
increase female participation. Um, I, w- I want to start really by considering whether we think it's Zwift's responsibility to increase female participation, or should we live in a world where we say, well, if women want to come and ride on Zwift, they can come and ride on Zwift. It, it doesn't need to be led. They don't need to be encouraged. You know, if they want to do it, they'll do it. And if they don't, they don't. And it's as simple as that. And if that ends up in a 90-10 balance, well, that's the way the world is, maybe. It's nobody's fault. That's just what's happening. Or should there be really positive things done to try to get more women on Zwift? I guess I'm asking whose responsibility we think that might be. Lindsay, let's start with you on this one. Oh, goodness. Thanks, Simon. Um <laughs> Jeez. No, just kidding. Well, I think it depends on what they want. Does Zwift want to grow the women's participation? If that's a goal, if that's something they want, then yeah, they should take responsibility. Um, It just makes sense, you know. But if it's more of like, eh, well, you know, whatever happens, then it makes sense to just kind of let it happen. Um, It's been super encouraging to see. It's true how many Women have gone on to organize other things for women on Zwift. So, I mean, that is uh, super encouraging. Clearly, they want to get more women because women compare will pay ten dollars just like men pay ten dollars, and you know, um, they want to get more. They want to get more people on Zwift in general. But given the big gender Im- imbalance on the platform, is you know, is this a case for? you know, making someone head of it and having lots of initiatives. Is that the best way to do it? Or is there an argument for allowing it to happen or, or, or facilitating it to happen in a more kind of organic and natural way? I mean, you know, what, what what's the best way, do you think? Getting someone specifically in there to own it. But, you know, it's great, the initiatives that they're putting in there, Zwift Women's Week that Kate spoke about. That's fantastic. Like when I joined the next week after that, because I was away working that week, I just saw all of these women in the same jersey. I was like, oh, what did I miss? Something obviously happened. It was amazing because uh, I can see and it was really visible to me how many women were online and out there. Um, but when you've got um, the different rides that they've set up, it's fantastic. We didn't have that 12 months ago before Zwift Academy. We weren't seeing specific women's rides that often. Now they're right through the calendar um, and they're community-led ones too. So it's amazing to see how much is out there now. Lindsay, Kate was very clear. I mean, if I had to summarise that that clip I've just played, it would be group rides are the answer and women-only group rides are the answer. Do, do you agree with her on that? You know, if you look at that those numbers you were saying, right, maybe 90% men, 10% women on Zwift, right? But I was, it made me think as you guys were talking, you know, I go to my local YMCA once a week, And it's probably the same numbers there, but flipped, right? Maybe probably 90% women, 10% men. You know, the the women are there with the kids. They want to get in shape, right? And so to me, it's like there's this whole process of getting into it, right? I mean, if, if Zwift wants to grow women's participation, maybe the first step is you ask, well, how do we get the women out of the gyms, get them out of the spin classes and into something that, like Vaughn was talking about, is is just more accessible. I mean, gosh, for me, the last three years for me coming back into racing really heavily, I'm just the ability to get up in the morning and ride the bike with a baby monitor in here while my little ones are sleeping is huge. I mean, that's huge. So there's, there's that basic thing, right? Like you can just to start even there, but then okay, there's the next level. Well, what if, what if women find that this is more of something, um, that becomes a hobby or a recreation for them? So yeah, then the group rides are important that, uh, they find a sense of identity in it. They find comrades in it, other women they want to ride with becomes something a little more regular. And then the next step is maybe, okay, well, let's, I want to test out my legs literally and see what I can do with this. Maybe I try a, a workout. I try, a um, you know, a training ride, right? And then the next step even is, okay, do I want to compete? So I think to have all those options available, cover all Mm. the bases for women, you know, and then, and then the cool part is you can have all of those things at every level, even to the top professional level of racing women only, but there is the option then 
as far as women feel comfortable to um, engage in some of those things co-ed also. So yeah. uh, to me, I think, like, why not? Why don't we just cover all the bases? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. From do you, do you find the, the women's only thing faintly patronizing or a useful first step? It is a totally different dynamic. So I do a combination of all different types of events um, and the women's racing is just as hot and hard as the men's racing and trying to keep up and, and compete in tactics in there. Um, what I do find though, in there's a different type of ride where there's more of a participation and the camaraderie is way better. <laughs> Let me put it that way. I think it's way better in the women's rides. It just is more supportive. So I have noticed when I've had male rider leaders in there, they're less encouraging and more about directive in terms of trying to keep the group together in bits and pieces. I mean, we do that in the women's races any and participation rides anyway, but it's more in an inclusive and positive way rather than feeling like you're getting barked orders at because someone's off the front or, you know, someone's having to do sweeping to collect riders at the back. I get the sense that neither of you are opposed on kind of philosophical grounds to women's only events and you both think, am I right here, that you both think that they are, they've got a very useful spot in the Zwift universe. They serve a good purpose. Is, is, is that right, Veron? Have I got that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I think- I'd say it's, they're absolutely necessary. Okay, well, let's move on to uh, a subject that the Zwiftcast often strays into. We're all interested in it, uh, and that's and that's racing. Now, we were, we were all together in that... Um, now legendary hotel room in Las Vegas when we recorded uh, as as Rivcast with the uh, with the other halves. But, uh, sounds like I gave, gave the wrong impression there, actually. But um, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Well, well you know, Nathan, I recall taking a nap. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah. I, I recall you falling asleep through sheer boredom as Nathan, myself, and Shane witted on at some length. But anyway, we were all there after the race. And uh, we were chatting away and Ron, you raised a really, really interesting point. And you made it so cogently and so succinctly that I've I've pulled it out of that recording that we made. And uh, and this is what you said about uh, women and bike racing when we were all together in Vegas. The cycling body in Australia that helps run all of the national level races and state level races has a requirement that you must have equal level racing set up for every one of those events. So if you've got a men's A group, you must have a women's A group and ABC and that kind of thing um, is carried through for organisations. Similarly with the prize money, it must match what the men's prize money is as well, regardless of the numbers that go through. But that's not common across the whole cycling world. That's correct, it's not. I mean, at the same level, we don't get paid for being pro cyclists in Australia either, unless you're in a, a major team. So um, it, it has that similar kind of feel all, around, all the way around the world. So it was it was such a good point that one that I, I stored it up actually and because I wanted to put it to, to Kate when I met her. So uh, guess what I did and here's what Kate said. Couldn't Swift say to the big teams that are organising the group rides and the mm. events, okay, we're not going to give you a slot on the on the, on the on the event module unless you put on an equivalent women's race. Mm. I mean that that type of leadership, that mm-hmm. quite aggressive promotion mm-hmm. of opportunities for women so that women's events become more visible. Is that something you'd ever consider? I think if I didn't see it organically happening, I might consider that. Um, But I'm already noticing, you know, ODZ and KISS and, um, you know, a lot of the bigger communities in Zwift are are following suit and they're doing it because, um, you know, we kicked off some some events during Women's Week uh, that... uh, I think inspired, you know, especially knowing now that we we have this women's only feature, um, I think it's opened up, you know, uh, it's like a whole new ball game now. Um, and I think that they, most of the communities are seeing this as a nice opportunity to engage their women's community, grow their women's community. Um, I, I would consider it if I if I didn't see it already happening. So, Ron, I mean, that is such a good model in Australia. I, I really wasn't aware that, that, that the Australian Association did that. And it seems to me to be such a sensible thing to do. You wonder why 
why the rest of the world hasn't adopted it really. But but we're not so much talking about the rest of the world as as talking about what happens in Swift. And and Kate there pretty much ruled it out and she said she's not going to do it because it's happening organically. Um I, I thought she was slightly overstating the case there, or am, am I being unfair? Are, are, are there enough events for women on the same level, in the same frequency, in the same quantity as there are for men, particularly in the racing arena? It comes down to, I guess, one of the essential pieces that you've spoken about there. Is Zwift going to be a governing body for events? So, therefore, they would need to make the call on this. Are, are they seeing the number of events out there? And let's have a look at um, what we're seeing. Yeah, there's events at all time, right through the calendar of the week and all different time zones from that perspective. So, when I load the app now, like one year ago, we barely had a couple of uh, rides in the Australian time zone. And now you've almost got something every hour or half hour kicking off in there. And they're different types of things. They're one that flyers, they're full events as races, they're participation group rides, those kinds of things. One year ago, we barely even had a beacon in there, you know, and they, they were just struggling to find male ride leaders, female ride leaders for any of these rides. So now that Zwift Academy has come through and we've had seen this amazing community form in there to run the, um, what were they, there were specific group rides that you had to be a part of as well. That's just kind of accelerated what we're seeing in the platform from that perspective. And it's given a whole new way for women to get in, on board there. So, um, I mean, now you might even also look at the KISS eCrit series that they started here in Australia. Um, that's with swiftpower.com. And then you've got the CVR World Cup that we were all at, as you mentioned. Um, that's another community race with cyclogen rankings. So these, these things have kind of come through and – I think it's shown there's absolutely racing at all levels and it's all there already. So I I totally agree with Kate. It's kind of already there. I don't know if anything further needs to be done. Lindsay, I've got, I've got a point to make. I mean, I think what Ron was saying there was that she feels very well served by what's available to her um, on Zwift as a, as a female racer or just a racer. But, you know, we're talking about female stuff, so let's say female racer. But the thing is, both Ron and you are very strong riders. I mean, you know, by any standard, you're both very strong riders. Do you think the slightly less able female rider may feel there's not enough for her? Or am I asking the wrong person, Lizzie, because that's not you? But, but, but you know, through ZCL, you you see a lot of shades of opinion. I mean, I, I do think strong riders are probably well served because, to be honest, they can join the men's events as well um, and, and not feel intimidated or, or left out. But the, but the slightly weak riders who are female, do you think there's enough for them? You know, um, I'm not sure. I do see, I mean, just from what I, I see come across on ZCL or Facebook or the Zwift Ladies Only, which is fantastic. Um, so I, I see a lot about group rides or kind of, you know, introduction type rides. But, um, you know, I guess some, some of those cover the basis type things I was talking about before. I don't see much beyond that as far as women's only. So maybe like so as far as something for for women who want to get involved in racing or um, that type of thing. I mean, I'm not the best one to ask because I'm I'm just not dug in and in the midst of it. But I I don't see a lot of that type of space being filled or covered right now. It's, no, I think you're right. It's not very visible. I mean, I know I think Team TFC do a, a an event that's kind of very entry level for for women's racing, but. But 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 I think you are um, you're probably right that that the, the visibility that we don't see probably means it's it's not quite there at the moment. I mean, the, the interesting thing about Zwift is that makes it so different from from real life, and for some of the reasons that we've already talked about, it, there is this fantastic opportunity to have you know mixed racing. Uh, mixed between the genders racing with 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 absolutely no issue because I think you made the point Lindsay actually when we were chatting before this before this podcast it's all about what's per kilo nothing else matters it's unthinkable I think in the world of sports that you would ever you know have anything genuinely co-ed or integrated 
But but what I've seen and experienced in Zwift is, okay. you you enter a race category, not based on whether you're male or female, but based on an objective number like what? Mm. That's mind blowing. Right. So, you know, I have to race these other men and they're not looking at me then like uh, the the girl, uh, you know, they're looking at me like, okay, this girl can hold this many watts per kilogram. So that means she's around the same level of performance as me. And it just, I don't know, it, it, it kind of levels the playing field. And if you were to like, if you were to just kind of dream big and imagine the t- potential of something like that, I mean, what if you were to um, assemble a cycling team, right? Based on male or female, who's got the best sprint, right? Who can put out the uh, gr- this high level of watts for 30 seconds? Or who's got really great force over a climb for the course of five minutes or who has the best, you know, threshold power that can, um, you know, just steady hammer in a pace line, uh, throughout the course of a race. And what if you assembled teams based on that male or female, and then those kind of numbers determined what, um, ranking or what level of competition you competed at. Right. I mean, like, it's, it's kind of fun to think about those kind of things. I mean, obviously at the highest level of any sport, the fastest, strongest men are always going to be faster and stronger than the fastest, strongest women, but you know, and uh, getting there and everything in between, it could really, in, in, in my opinion, or maybe my ability to dream and vision and forecast, it could be something that could help validate female athletes or um, give them a little more visibility. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and we're going to get to that visibility point it, it, with our next interview. But, but, but Lindsay's right there, Ron. Actually, I mean, there is a real opportunity here, isn't there, to have you know genuinely gender agnostic sports on this platform, which. I mean, if you look at, in, you know, in real life sport, not just cycling and any other sport that, you know, they're always separated by gender. But 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 here in Zwift, because only really what's per kilo, kilogram matters and you could have you could have you could genuinely have a mixed team, you know, versus a mixed team that would be proper real competition with the whole gender thing just just thrown out the window. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen some of the stuff that they're coming up with with Zwift running. So get your pelotons out, get your runners out there for some park run action, and we can see everyone out there together. I think it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to see what other sports they bring on board, like, you know, the potential there that they've got with rowing and those kinds of things too. So, yeah, I can't wait to see where this is going to go. Let's check in with Inga Thompson. Now, unless you really, really, really know your American cycling history, she may not be the most familiar of names, but Inga was an incredibly successful cyclist in the 80s and the 90s. Um, Three-time Olympian, competitor on the Women's Tour de France, and uh, she won or was on the podium in many, many, many other races. She was a real pioneering figure in American women's road racing, and when she retired, she left the sport completely to run a cattle ranch. But now she's come back and she's on a mission to promote women's cycling. And she, she too was in Las Vegas at the CVR event, doing a bit of scouting, actually, I think. Um, and while she was there, I caught up with her and this is what she had to say. Do you think women's cycling has moved forward, stayed the same or moved backwards? Oh, this is a hard one, but it feels in some ways it has moved backwards. There should be, I think, better coverage for the women. The Women's Tour de France is gone. The Women's Course Classic is gone. Uh, some other races have come forward, but we're not seeing the pay. You know, I was able to make a living when I was racing, um, and I don't see that anymore with the women. Um, I don't see the coverage there, and I feel like, you know, 25 years later, that there should be more. And I really see the potential here with this, um, with this group with uh, Zwift is to really make an impact on women's racing because we have the ability, or they do, to get the coverage out there, get the women's names um, out there. And I've always felt that with women's sports that, you know, when they're younger, you have this huge talent pool of men to choose from, but not necessarily with the girls, you know, when they're younger like this. And so now we have this ability to start really choosing from women um, 
And so now we have another tool of choosing more women. And, and I, I think that this whole program that have going on would just be brilliant for the women. Women's racing is just as exciting as men's usually, but 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 there is, there can be this problem with smaller fields and, and a, a, mis, a mismatch of abilities. What what can be done to address that? Do you think? Well, it, it's that's a multi-tiered question. When you're doing the small regional races, yes, you're going to have a very uh, a problem of the mismatching of the different skill levels. When you get to the international level or you know some of the uh, national races. All of the women are incredible, and, and, and that's where you see the incredible racing. When you look at the World Cups, you look at the Olympics, you look at um, all of the international races, those are incredible races to watch. But when you get on the regional levels, the small state levels, you see things splitting apart a lot, and, it's, and it, it, it does. The races end up shattering. And so if you can get some of these women racing each other like say on these Zwift programs and getting to know each other you might be able to then bring these women out of the spin classes and actually get them at the races and so now if you had a category four race that had a hundred women in there well now you kind of have a real race you see this all the time with the veterans racing and the masters racing you know they have more people in there more men in there than they do in in the pro one two field and so I think right now is it ju- we just don't have the numbers. I see this type of program as really giving, you know, the Zwift program, giving the ability to help us give more depth to the women's field. Had you heard of Zwift before today? No, I never had. I, I haven't been to cycling in 20 years until just like the last year I'm kind of coming back into it. Are you excited about what you've seen? I'm very excited about what I, what I have seen. I have to admit, I wish I had been riding. I would have gotten on the bike <laughs> and then proceeded to get my ass kicked. <laughs> but, but, I mean, do you think, I, mean, I, I certainly know the executives at Zwift and it, it, within the company feel that Zwift can be used to push forward the cause of women's cycling significantly and that they have another program which you may not be familiar with you should maybe just go and have a look at it called the Zwift Academy which has actually produced a pro racer on a pro team using Zwift as a as a recruitment tool and and the company strongly believes that that Zwift can advance the cause of 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 women racing based on what you've seen today do, do you share that view? I absolutely share that view. It, it'll give the women the chance to become confident with their skills and their ability um, and what because they can see it on the screen, what they're putting out. And I think the biggest thing is giving the women confidence that they can do this before you throw them into a peloton and you start, you know, lock, you know locking up handlebars and elbowing each other and knee, you know, I mean, it it's, can sometimes turn into a contact sport and it scares a lot of women off before they have a chance to really test themselves. And I think, I mean, I still never really liked the contact when I was racing, but I was strong enough that I could avoid it. And so in here, if these women can become confident in their skills and their ability, just of what they know that they can get out of their body, then once you get into the field, then they can take on the, the, the real dynamics of race. But what a great way to re- recruit the women because you already know that they're there. They already have a passion. I know like when I started racing, we got recruited. I got recruited from being a runner. Um, and so here you have the ability. These are women that already are on a bike, already love the bike. You know, I've always you know said to, to find your athletes, you know, that to get them to the Olympic level, you have to, I call it like the perfect storm. You have to find the, the athletes that have the physiology um, that have the desire to train, but they also have to be in the right sport. You know, like I was an avid runner, but I had the wrong body to be a runner. But you get me on a bike and I have, you know, the perfect you know, body to be on a bike, but not as a runner. And so when you get these gals that are already on bikes, you already have the love, you already have the passion, they already have, you know, um, a taste for what it's about. Are you um, now going to be more actively involved in cycling? You've had a bit of time out of it? Yes, this is my hope right now. I'm actually starting a foundation called the Inga Thompson Foundation, and it's going to be specifically for women cyclists. What I, so I, what I want to do is to pull these funds together and give it directly to the woman racing her bike, like kind of go through some sort of a vetting. We two are still really in the early phases of doing this. But the women that are racing, you know, 
and they're showing that commitment and they want to be there, but maybe they're not on a team or maybe their team isn't paying enough. What I don't want to see is that these women are going to the international races and then they come home and they're working a job. You can never get to the level that you need to be at if you're working a job. And there's a lot of teams out there, but they're not able to bring enough money to the table that they can pay the women. So I want the funds that I have that go directly to the women. I don't want it to go to the teams because I think it'll get sucked up and it'll get lost. And when you look at, you know, men are given a guaranteed minimum salary when they hit a certain level by the UCI, and the women still aren't getting that. And I know I've had people say, well, you know, go ahead and give the funds to uh, women's foundations or to the UCI. And I just think that it'll get, it just, it just gets sucked away and it doesn't go directly to the women. Well, it sounds a very interesting model and a very exciting foundation. Where could people find more information about the foundation from? Uh, the website just now is getting set up, but it'll be the Inga Thompson Foundation. Um, look for it, I'm hoping, in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> sounds very exciting. Thanks very much indeed for your time. It's been really interesting talking to you. Hey, thank you so much. So, Ron, we'll, we'll talk about Zwift Academy as a, as a recruitment tool, you know, which has been unbelievably successful given how uh, Leah Thorvalson is doing. But I think what Inga was incredibly excited about was the accessibility of the platform and its ability in that slightly non-intimidatory fashion that we alluded to a few few minutes ago to, to get women in and try cycling and then try competitive cycling and and she was kind of visibly excited she'd never seen Swift before um this this the CVR event in Vegas and and she was really really excited by what she saw I mean she was seeing it with a fresh pair of eyes do you think she's seen some seen something that we've got a bit used to and we're we're not really seeing the, the potential power of Swift to be a recruitment tool for, for all kinds of, of, of women's cycling. Absolutely. Her um, response is just so infectious, isn't it? I mean, when you hear what, how she speaks about it, it's just amazing. So using Swift as that talent ID kind of tool, it's, you, it completely does what she's saying. It identifies people that already have a passion there potentially um, and you can see their strength you can measure that within the game and it gives you ability to play around with some of those game and race tactics absolutely once you take them outside of the game it's really essential to build them up as an all-rounder rider and athlete from that perspective but then also vet them to verify if they're really a team player can they work within a, a cycling team because well there, there is such a, a team aspect to the cycling as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she was excited, Lindsay, and it, and it was a, 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 such a pleasure to be in her company and to, and to see the, the 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 excitement that that she was clearly feeling. Um, but she was very, uh, she was pretty brutal about where she thinks women's cycling as as a sport has gone since she did it, and she was quite frank. The word she used was was backwards, and the two things that she identified as as contributing to what she sees as the sport moving backwards were um, a lack of visibility for women's cycling and a lack of coverage of women's cycling and uh, and the terrible terrible pay uh, discrepancy between male and female cyclists um, I, I don't think there's much swift can do about about the pay discrepancy but uh, there is a there is a possibility that Zwift could do something about increasing visibility and if we see Frank Garcia's initiative in the esports um, arena you know women are without question and without even thought just given equal billing um, um, could Zwift and and maybe the growth of esports on Zwift Lindsay do you think that that could help to increase visibility and coverage and, and, and force women cycling in front of more people? Oh, absolutely. I think there's huge potential for that there. Um, I'm almost more so than just about anywhere else. Um, especially with, you know, what's going on with CBR and, um, things like that, um, just continuing to, to grow. Um, yeah, just the, the visibility factor is huge. I mean, she's absolutely right on about that. Um, I mean, sometimes people just need to know something's out there or need to even just see it or just see a little bleep of it to catch the interest in it, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I mean, and this direct funding model that she was proposing, and, and I don't think she was perhaps alleging corruption in the governing bodies. I don't know, maybe she was doing, but she, I think the word she used was, you know, the money can sometimes get kind of air quotes lost. Um, and, and so her foundation seems to um, be operating on the idea if she if she gets it up and running and gets sufficient funding for it, that, that she would she would identify promising female athletes and they would just be funded directly straight straight from the foundation straight to the woman i mean i just think that's a bit of a I don't know how radical it is, but it strikes me as a hell of a good idea. Yeah, I had a chance to talk with her very briefly, too, and it was very exciting. You know, she was curious as to my uh, my history and my process as a cyclist. And uh, um, I think, she, you know, we had said something on the lines of, well, what would it take for me to uh, pursue or do what I wanted to? And I said, well, something along the lines of cloning myself or maybe uh, a nanny and a housekeeper, <laughs> um, you know, things along those lines. You know, which which sounds just utterly unfathomable. You know, it's like um, not reality. Um, but what the things that she's proposing, you know, to uh, to bring the funds to, to free some of these women with potential and drive to free them up to be able to just pursue that and do what they need to do to become the type of athletes they want to become is is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought she was inspirational when I spoke to her. And I'm certain she was at that event to do a bit of talent spotting. I'm, I'm absolutely sure she was. Um, OK, let's talk to a very prominent figure in female Zwifting, Ruby Zambrano. Zwift has changed the way that people train. And arguably, it's had the most benefits for the truly time-crunched for those who work strange hours or those who find it difficult to get out of the house, and they're often people with childcare responsibilities. OneZwifter has pioneered the use of the platform to help this group, so it was good to catch up with Ruby Zambrano to get some insights. I started by asking her about her own history in the sport. Uh, primarily, I am a triathlete. I uh, crossed over from... Uh, being a lifetime runner to triathlon in late 2010 and just kept running and uh, then added swimming and cycling to the mix. What are you training for right now? Uh, well, I have got a half iron in about two and a half weeks and then I have got the Boston Marathon in about a month. Rather you than me, Ruby, that's all I would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, the, the other thing that's interesting about you is is you have some pretty specialist knowledge in the area of how to go fast on a bike and in a pool and on a road. And that's because you work for some pretty cool people. Tell us a bit about that. I get to work for Hunter Allen at Peaks Coaching Group. What's Hunter's attitude towards Zwift? I would imagine he, he sees the potential of it as a coaching tool. He does. And he wants to see us on Zwift leading rides, making use of this tool to, uh, to work with our athletes. And he wants us to lead rides and get the athletes out there familiar with our coaches. I mean, we are the leaders in power and he's, he's very, he's very open-minded to all this technology and, and where it's going. And it's, it's very cool to work with a boss like that. I feel like I'm walking with giants. Ruby's developed something of a specialism in working with people who may not enjoy the freedom to train at what might be described as normal times. I am by trade a firefighter, you know, firefighter by night, coach by day kind of thing. When I started coaching, it was with firefighters and other emergency services, police officers. And the one thing we all had in common was just the weird shifts. So let's find something that's going to work for you. I had seen Zwift uh, surface on Slow Twitch several years ago, so I was kind of stalking that. So as soon as it went into beta, basically I started sending them emails and nagging the crud out of them so that I could get access. And what that led into was a particular niche where, you know, you get kind of good at, okay, this person is on a 24-48 schedule. They work 24 hours. They're off 48. I know how to structure their, their calendar so they get out on some days, but they make full use of the technology that Zwift has to offer them so they can you know, get a good workout and be ready for race day. And and how much of a difference do you think Zwift has made to the motivation to be able to do 
quality sessions at odd times when you might not be able to get out of the house for various reasons? Well, the first thing we noticed was, you know, as coaches, was that compliance with workouts just immediately went up. People were like, yes. So instead of, you know, one or two dropped workouts a week, people were looking for excuses to get on the bike. So as coaches, we had to start saying, okay, look, if you're going to get on the bike and ride Zwift, that's fine, but here are your parameters, and this is what we were looking for. So it's it's been a it's been a change in coaching mentality. Do you think that Zwift have done enough to develop the workout aspect of the game? I mean, are you expecting further developments? Would you like to see further developments in the workouts arena? You're asking a person who was leading workouts on Zwift before the workout module came out. So we, I was part of the group that had to kind of figure out how to how to do this without any support. So what I did back then was I figured out how to broadcast on like an internet radio channel. It was one way. And I would lead a virtual ride by voice. And if Zwift is going to do further development, I really think that that's a direction that they need to go, is to allow ride leaders to lead by voice. And, you know, we don't need to rubber band riders together if we have that implementation. Yeah. No, I, I think everybody is eagerly awaiting voice because, you know, for, for, for very many reasons, it's going to be an application that, that, that is going to make a big difference, I think, to the way that, that people use use the game and stick together in rides and, and all kinds of other things. It's great to be able to talk to you, Ruby. Thanks very much for your time. And I'm sure people will find this, this conversation interesting. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks, Simon. I think you come across this quite frequently, don't, don't you, Lindsay, with, with the stream stuff on, uh, on CCL. Um, I, I think this initiative that Zwift are due to launch quite soon, where we're going to have coached-led rides using the group ride module with voice, I see the possibility that they're going to be really, really popular. Um, do you think I'm right there? I think so. Absolutely. I think people are looking for that and um, probably women more so than men. Ron, do you, do you think that structured environment of a led, tutored group ride where you're kind of talked through the intervals? Uh, I mean, I, I think it'd be fabulously useful for everyone, really. But, but again, do you think that could be particularly useful for, for, for more beginner cyclists or, or more people new to the platform? With Coach Ruby, I remember when she was first doing those um, sessions before the Zwift Academy and we joined in on Zwift to see what she was doing because we she was posting about this and it was just fascinating because voice wasn't included in the game at all. Like now we've got Zwiftcast that runs in the background that keeps you interested and motivated outside of any music as well. It wasn't in the it wasn't in the script, listeners, I promise you. It wasn't in the script. That's really good work that is, Ron. You can come back. <laughs> Sorry, I, I interrupted your very erudite point. So um Absolutely. So she's been doing this for a while now and to actually get it inside the game, I think it will be amazing because I don't want to have to multitask when I'm trying to do intervals and verify what's going on. And if someone's going to tell me what to do, that would be fantastic. And if you don't even have to necessarily see the screen when that prompt comes up, because so, sometimes you're looking down, sometimes you're looking away or, you know, if you miss what the ride leader's saying with the type text, it's so much easier to get those cues. You can have it both on screen and um, as voice as well. So I think the on screen is still really important for those people that want to listen to some pump and tunes in the background while they get their workout done. But um, yeah, I cannot wait to hear. I hadn't heard that they were bringing that feature. So that's amazing. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's going to be transformative. I, I don't think we know how good it's going to be until it arrives. It's one of those things that when it arrives, you're going to think, my 
God, what kind of a world did we live in when we didn't have this? I think I really do think it's going to be make a, make a, make a really big difference. Okay, well, look, let let let's finish off. We, we've alluded to it several times already, and and of course we have because it's so important. Um, but let's finish off this special episode with a look at the at the Swift Academy. Um, I mean, that, it's been a vitally vitally important tool in the promotion of women's cycling, and um, and you know, but at the start it sort of I felt it, it there was a bit of indifference towards it and and in some bits of the media even a bit of kind of lip curling and a bit of negativity I thought actually but but you always get that with something new but in the end it, it, it's proved to be incredibly successful um so when I when I caught up with Kate in Long Beach uh, Kate Verano head of women's strategy at Zwift I asked her if she thought the program had actually got the credit it deserved um I would say not completely um I think in the end i think we really came out on top but there was a lot of naysayers um throughout the process and i think with the those um you know those individuals or you know that general sentiment um was was leaving out was just truly like you said how much we were investing in this program um that it you know that uh, like who else is, is, uh, you know, putting themselves out there in the way we did. I mean, this is it was, like we talked about, it was very risky and who else is, is taking like a giant risk like that to give, you know, one person the opportunity to go pro, uh, when they, you know, wouldn't have had a chance otherwise. The answer to Kate's question is that nobody else is doing this. And the winner of last year's Academy program, Leah Thorvison, is something of a unique case. As a result, she's been getting plenty of attention, not just from the media, but also from the women's peloton. It's not that often you hear what the racers in the pack really think, but the Cycling Tips website has cornered a bit of a market in reporting from the heart of the peloton using anonymity as a cloak. Their secret pro column, written by a mystery male rider, is required reading, and now their secret pro column, penned by a similarly unknown female rider, is just as compelling. And the secret pro has been writing about Leah Thorvalson. I caught up with Cycling Tips women's editor Anne Mariah Rook, who explained the secret pro's brief. Her job is basically under the blanket of anonymity, provide us with um, entertaining or controversial or any sort of perspectives and um, topics from within the pro peloton. Yeah, and I mean, it's a very successful format, this anonymity, because, I mean, it just allows them to speak their mind, doesn't it? And, and certainly in the in the Secret Pro, there was just some really great kind of gossip in there and you do get the feeling that you're getting the real story you do yeah and uh, the, especially the last one I don't, i'm not sure if it was for better or for worse um that one picked a lot of boxes probably the least controversial bit of it actually was was her views on leah um uh, and and she was I, I thought she was pretty positive about the outcome of the zwift academy resulting in a place in the women's peloton for basically a, an amateur rider. I mean, um, your your correspondent said she didn't take a rider's spot on the team and it wasn't like a rider from the Peloton missed out on a contract this year because they had to give a contract to Leah, which which I thought was a, a, a pretty good and, and balanced balanced view, actually. Um, where she was a little more pointed was about Leah's cycling skill level. Um, she says, I remember when I first saw her on the start list, I said to my teammates, do not follow her. Um, um, you know, she might turn out to have the, the skill levels of Danny McCaskill, but, you know, um, peloton hours can't be beat, as she said. I mean, I think she's right. And I'm sure that caution would be shared with the rest of the peloton, don't you? Absolutely. It's no different than having a beginner cyclist or you know a, a c grade or a category four rider in the midst um it just takes time to learn those skills and to maneuver in a pack especially one that's 200 women on narrow roads in belgium over time leah certainly will gain those skills and and i'm i'm pretty sure the team is working very hard to make sure that she gets uh up to speed on that yeah have you have you followed leah's career what what do you make of this whole program i think it's a very interesting and unique way to get women into the sport um, just as our Shiga Pro said, um, I, I too, when she was announced for the first couple of races, was worried about her bike handling skills. Um, but um, as far as getting women on bikes, uh, I think it's great because it doesn't matter if they're inside or outside. It's just more women riding bikes and hopefully that will translate into more women riding bikes outside, maybe becoming competitors themselves. 
Uh, yeah, in general, I think it, it's been a, a positive campaign to, to show the options that are out there in terms of cycling. Kate at Zwift has been under no illusions that for the winner of the Zwift Academy, the victory in the competition heralds a massive change of lifestyle. It's all very exciting, but it's also um, can be very isolating. It can be um, the training is very hard. You know, you, you're probably going from, you know, 10 to 15 hours a week training at max to now 20 to 30 hours with all your stretching and you know, and, uh, you know, uh, gym sessions and all the different things that you have to do beyond just riding your bike 20 to 25 hours a week. Um, but then you're also in foreign countries, you're in a lot of um, unfamiliar environments, you're sleeping on whatever is available. It's not a posh life. It's a it's a tough, tough sport. It's a huge transition. Um, I, I can't say enough about how well Leah has managed that transition. There would have been some in the media so so happy to write the disaster story did did you assess those risks before deciding to go ahead with it you know um i don't think we spent too much time on those risks i think that we saw the rewards as much bigger than that and that we um that any potential risks we could we could manage i don't know the greatest things in life usually uh have a lot of risk involved so far, the risk has paid off. But can Leah and Swift Academy become figureheads for the promotion of women's cycling? Anne Mariah at Cycling Tips shares the belief we heard earlier from Inga Thompson that it's the lack of visibility which is holding women's cycling back. I think Leah's had a fair amount of mainstream coverage. It's not the same as seeing a three-week Grand Tour um, uh, comprised of an entirely male peloton, but but do you think that, that might just help kind of chip away at this visibility problem? Absolutely. Any any sort of visibility campaign or publicity stunt or anything that uh, the industry can do is beneficial. Little by little, uh, we'll see more women cycling out there and hopefully we'll grow the sport. There's little doubt that growing the sport of women's cycling is on Zwift's to-do list, but probably higher up that list is the aim of getting more women on Zwift. You don't have to be a genius to see that whilst the Zwift Academic Programme was just a great thing to do Mm -hmm. to support women's cycling, it also probably had the aim of increasing the overall rate of female participation on Mm -hmm. Zwift. Did it achieve that latter aim? Yes, absolutely. Um, I heard from so many women throughout that, that, you know, because of the academy, they were able to do their first century or they were able to do uh, a Grand Fondo that they've been dreaming about for years. They were able to ride with their local crew that they've always wanted to, um, that uh, they were, they brought what they, the strength, uh, the endurance and the training that they built in the academy, they brought to the rest of their cycling lives and it really improved their lives. And then it also engaged them more in Zwift, where they now wanted to do more group rides in Zwift where they had friends that they could do workouts with um, it just I think it it definitely brought in their horizons in the game and outside the game has it increased the general rate of female participation on Zwift or do you think it will take longer than one round to to do that we saw a sharp rise in the um, amount of women participating in Zwift, and then that, it maintained that. And I believe we'll see that again once we open up registration this June. Joining a club and, and, and starting to ride is, is very intimidating to many women. Um, and I think, again, the, that social aspect that Zwift provides uh, can definitely ease that because you now have uh, friends and, and people um, that you ride with on Swift that you might meet out outside of Swift as well. And uh, it's a good way to network and and meet people and make those connections that you can then take off, uh, you know, off the the internet and meet them in real life. Well, Zwift Academy 2 has been announced and we'll have some details later on in the podcast. Uh, Ron, you were an entrant to Zwift Academy and you, of course, completed it. I mean, do you think it achieved its aims? It was a really good way to build a rider up. So if you'd never done anything like this, it would definitely provide the structure to get um, a rider along the way on their cycling journey. Now, whether it achieved so for me yes it it met need and i thought it was awesome whether it achieved what zwift wanted 
possibly, yeah. It certainly gave them visibility. It gave them um, notoriety of what they're trying to achieve and what could be done with the platform from p- that perspective. Um, and hearing what Kate said, that had this a massive initial uptake of women to be part of this and that she's finding that they stay this year I think it's going to be even bigger. Um, Lindsay Kate felt that, that that what the academy did was kind of build the foundations really for the Zwift female community or at least it was one of the building blocks for the Zwift female community. Do you think she's right about that? Um, well I know that it it definitely generated a lot of excitement yeah and we think like uh, Vaughn would know better than I. She referred to it earlier, just seeing the response to that um, initially. So, but I think it's both, you know, the ripples still happening. And, um, but again, I think there's just a matter of, of potential. Uh, it's huge. Let's frame it in the context of what we were talking about before, which is visibility for women's cycling. And I think everybody's agreed that, that women's cycling needs more visibility. I mean, I, I think Zoot Academy actually achieved that because it got plenty of me- media coverage. There is still a big interest in, in Leia, as, as we heard from Anne-Mariah there in that, that fabulous column that the Secret Pro um, uh, Leia was was at least partly the subject of that. And, it, you know, all of this does build visibility, I think, for, for women's cycling. Um, Ron, do you think, do you think Leia's over the worst? I mean, I don't think anybody should underestimate how tough it is to join a, a team under these circumstances. I mean, I, you know, I, I, she won that competition, but sometimes I think what, what, what winning means in, in, in this context, because it was actually the gateway to like doubling your training, you know, joining up with a bunch of hugely competitive athletes as a newcomer that's come from this weird virtual cycling platform. I mean, it does make you it does make you think about what winning actually actually means in that context. Considering that she hasn't come from a cycling background, I think from that perspective, she's done pretty good, absolutely. But, I mean, they've done studies across other sports as well to see what is the perception of any athlete that gets dropped in at a a different level. So whether or not they've managed to win a competition or been talent ID'd outside of the usual, you know, drafting process. Um, And they've found from what I understand of these studies is that the, the community or other player backlash to those um, sports is pretty high because they haven't had that rite of passage that everyone else has gone through from that perspective. So, you know, taking the the Zwift or the, the cycling out of it, what she is most likely experiencing out there in the bunch is really real. It's, you know, it's human nature, I guess, from that perspective. Whilst we mentioned the increase in training and the living away from home and being thrown into the company of hostile strangers, we forgot to mention the pay cut as well, you know, which... <laughs> <laughs> which probably most people would have to take but but you know it it is a dream for for many people to be to be a pro cyclist and and uh, I I'm I'm kind of uh, heightening the bad things so there are many 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 really good things about it too of course and and there will be I think massive demand for Swift Academy 2 so let's hear from Kate about what's going to change this time last year we had the qualification period um, in the uh, summer. And I think that that conflicted with a lot of people's racing and training and even also like, you know, people with families, their children are off in the summer, things like that. Uh, So in order to make sure that this program is open to competitive athletes, to racing athletes, um, we have moved the, uh, the actual start date of the competition to September 1st. So this year, We'll, we'll streamline it a bit more so that it's a bit of a shorter qualification and it's timed so that if you are racing um, in North America uh, or Europe, um, that you can still compete in the academy. But you don't plan to lower the athletic bar, the, the achievement bar that candidates no. have got to pass? No, not at all. In fact, if anything, it might even be um, a little higher. Um, I think that we're going to have um, some very specific protocol that we're looking for and that you have to meet um, in order to be considered. Um, we're also going to incorporate a racing element this year. So um, it's not just going to be about how hard you can push your bike, but it's also going to be a little more strategic and, uh, you know, what you do within a race situation because, you know, that's what you're going to be dropped into. And I think 
um, that the the bar is going to be higher because I think that many more people know about this program. So I think we're going to get a lot more um, higher level of competition. So it'll be very interesting how that shakes it up. Big pat on the back to Swift, I think, for for for, for continuing with the program. They could have just done it as a one off, couldn't they, Lindsay? And said, yeah, okay, we've done that now. But but they're they're sticking with it. I I, I, I admire that decision. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's it's just getting started. Right on. Okay, well, I've really enjoyed this. This has been fantastic. I think uh, Shane and Nathan ought to be um, slightly worried about being out of a job here. So um, <laughs> it's traditional to to conclude the Zwiftcast with a, just a bit of a question about what what your week holds ahead of you. What's what's the highlight of your week coming up, Lindsay? What are you looking forward to most? Getting out on the bike. Yep. So I have um, a big race this weekend. It's the second stop on the Wisconsin off-road series. We'll be kind of up in the North Woods in Wisconsin. So, um, yeah. Good luck. Ron, obviously completely different uh, climates in your part of the world at this this time. So probably not too much outside riding or maybe you're tough enough to, to still be riding outside. I'm getting out on the bike. Uh, Rafa in Melbourne's running a Giro-style r- ride out in the hills in Melbourne. So regardless of the weather, we'll be going out doing a 120Ks for the Giro Transfermento ride and back into the city for pizzas and a nice meal at the end of it. So that should be fun. But uh, next week is uh, Zwift is coming to Australia. So I'm going to be partying with the whole group down here in Melbourne. I can't wait. Excellent. Oh, well, it's been fab having you on. Just brilliant. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much indeed for giving your time. I hope listeners of both either and all genders will have found this interesting. I mean, it has largely been about... uh, women cycling and women swifting but I, 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 I actually think there's, there's a lot to interest anybody in this one so uh, and that's a large part down to you too thank you very much indeed for your contributions really enjoy talking to you thanks a lot see you soon thanks goodbye thanks simon bye-bye that's it for this one thank you so much for listening and thanks to to swift for their continued and much appreciated support of the swiftcast see you next time